Welcome to another episode of the Church Mag Podcast. Eric Dye here along with our very own Casey Proctor. Casey, on this episode of the Church Mag Podcast, we have a special guest, an interview that you had last month with Justin Wise. Casey, tell us a little bit about your interview with Justin. Yeah, I was able to connect with Justin before he held a recent event called Build Your Influence. It was a free event and it featured some real iconic social media leaders like Gary Vaynerchuk uh, and Jeff Goins, Mari Smith and many others. And we just had a conversation about what it means to build your influence, challenges that people face in engaging social media in such a way that they reach the goals they're going for. Uh, I really appreciate Justin's professionalism. He knows what he's talking about. Uh, He's got a great program going on over at Think Digital. Uh, And I also appreciate his really kind of fresh and candid attitude. He's like, he is a straight shooter and just kind of tells you how it is so that you don't really have to cut through the fluff or anything like that when you are trying to apply what he teaches. And his tweets are just as straightforward too. So I encourage everyone to follow him at Justin Wise. So while you're listening to this podcast, you know, open up another tab, flip on over there, give Justin a follow. His uh, handle there is Justin Wise. Let's listen to this thing, man. Sounds good. Hey, hold on one second, okay? No worries. There we go. Okay, got it. Were you were you multitasking? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> so, uh, welcome, Justin Wise. Uh, Want to introduce you to our church mag audience. Uh, you are an author. You're an entrepreneur. You are the champion of Think Digital Academy, a podcaster, um, and all around pretty awesome guy. Uh, and and you love. I'm sorry. You might be the only person I know who loves with a relentless passion, Des Moines, Iowa. That's right. I love it here. You love it. You've got a, you've got a guy rapping about your, your affinity for, for that town uh, on your podcast. I mean, it's, you, you love that city. Why is, tell me why, why is Des Moines, Iowa so amazing? Well, I can't help myself. And Des Moines is really, um, you know, I'm sure a lot of people will feel this way about their hometown, you know, where, um, you know, they can't, they, they, have, they have such, uh, so many memories, I guess, and so many, um, you know, uh, major life, you know, uh, occurrences, you know, happen in, in our hometowns. And Des Moines is no different for me. But the difference is that, you know, in no way, shape, or form am I comparing myself to LeBron James. He uh, can <laughs> sl- slam dunk a ball, probably. He could, he could probably slam dunk my head, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And uh, I can barely touch the net, and I'm 6'4", so you do the math. But uh, LeBron said, hey, I'm going to go back to Cleveland because I don't necessarily think like they're going to put me in the best position to win. Mm-hmm. I want to help Cleveland win. I want to bring a championship to Cleveland. But this is where I grew up, and I want to better the community that poured so much into me. And so I kind of feel the same way about Des Moines where it's not the sexy coast. It's not LA. It's not New York. It's not Nashville. It's not Atlanta. You know, it's not Dallas, but there's a lot to be said about Des Moines and I want to bring a championship back to Des Moines. There you go. All right. Awesome. Wanted to bring a championship back to Des Moines. Uh, I, uh, I appreciate your fervor for your hometown. Uh, I am, uh, 
from the Northwest. I've been a Seattle guy for the majority of my life. My family roots are back in the Northeast, so I've got a bit of that New York City, New Jersey influence. Um, but uh, I am a, a diehard Seattle Seahawks fan, uh, and we are going to repeat this year with Russell Wilson at the helm. Uh, but I digress. <laughs> but I di- but I digress. So. Uh, we're here to talk about uh, Build Your Influence, but by way of a little bit of uh, background and behind the scenes, you actually have a background in ministry. Yeah. And what I'm curious is, what was the catalyst that kind of triggered your shift into uh, focusing more on online marketing and social media and becoming an entrepreneur yourself? Well, it's a good question. I thought so. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, and if I'm completely honest, well... Let me say this. There was no one thing. Okay, great. Like like most life changes, significant life changes anyway, and to go from, uh, you know, essentially being a pastor to now being an entrepreneur, some people, I think many people actually would consider that to be a significant life shift. Mm-hmm. And so there was no one thing. There was no one moment where I said, that's it. I'm switching careers but it was a it was a combination of many different factors and the major factors for me really i think there's three major factors that contributed to that change and that shift for me and maybe you know some of of the listeners will resonate with one or two or maybe even all three of these changes the first change was um other people's expectations for what i was going to do okay so uh, I kind of got into ministry right after college, 23 years old, and it was just kind of something that I fell into. Uh, a lot of people at my church, which I still attend to this day, saw that I, uh, you know, they said, hey, you have some leadership gifts. Would you consider doing X, Y, Z? So I said, sure. And before you know it, you're interning at the church. Before you know it, you're in seminary. And before you know it, you've graduated with a Master of Divinity. <laughs> and yeah, I know. Right. But through the whole process, I was like, you know, it took me getting to the end of graduation and realizing that I don't know that I want to be going and doing hospital visits for the rest of my life. Like, I don't want to do weddings. I don't want to do funerals. I don't want to preach every weekend. I like having my weekends where I don't have to work. Sure. Um, and I realized that it wasn't that those expectations were wrong. I mean, if you're a pastor, you work weekends. It's just how it is. Right. But I realized that it was somebody else's kind of vision for my life. Hmm. And I didn't, I didn't want to live somebody else's vision for my life. I want to live my own vision. And so that took really some soul searching. So that was one major factor. The other was my wife, uh, my amazing wife wanted to stay at home. She, since she's been a, a little, a little bitty girl, one of the things that she had on her mind was to be a stay-at-home mom. I know that sounds kind of strange, but... That's not, that was, that's not strange at all. Well, it was her dream. I just never heard of, you know, you hear a lot of females say, I want to be a princess. I want to be a, you know, whatever. <laughs> CEO. The uh, first woman president. That's right. The first woman president. You fill in the blank. But my wife's dream was to stay at home with our kids. And I knew that being on a pastor's salary at least in our neck of the woods and in our denomination, that was never going to happen. Not mm. just like, oh, maybe someday. No, it was never going to happen. Okay. And that weighed heavily on me. 
And so I had to make some decisions because of, of our finances. Um, so I had other people's dreams for our life, for my life, you know, my wife and, and wanting to help her achieve her own dreams. And last but not least, I had dreams that I wanted to achieve. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those dreams, I mean, I don't know how else to say it, but a lot of those dreams have a price tag attached to them. Sure. And, uh, you know, you, you people listening to this know the struggles of being in ministry and, and the way that it it pays or doesn't pay. And I just saw a lot of my, my friends having to work two, three jobs. And that's not overstatement to make ends meet. Yeah. And that's just not something that's like the dark side of ministry that nobody wants to talk about, but it's a reality. It's a, it's a very, uh, painful reality for right. a lot of pastors. Right. And that's just not something that I wanted to subject our family to long-term. And that doesn't mean that, you know, I I really truly believe that God calls people into ministry and that whole process really helped me to see that full-time ministry and the capacity that, you know, we have in the modern day church wasn't going to be a route that I was going to take. Gotcha. No, that's great. And I'm, you know, I, I think I kind of fit that mold a little bit in that, you know, I work a corporate job nine to five, but on the, you know, in the margin, if you will, I'm the social media director for my church, as well as the online campus pastor on the weekends. So I, I work every day of the week, you know, I work on the weekends for our church and in the evenings doing stuff, uh, you know, that's church related, um, while at the same time working that nine to five, because in some part, because ministry doesn't bridge the gap enough. Um, you know, so, uh, this, you know, conversation that we're having is, is part of that story of me, uh, trying to uh, create that, grow that margin into something that, that bridges that gap so I can make a shift, um, from the corporate life. Um, speaking of, uh, the church, you wrote a book called the social church. What inspired you to write that? And who did you write it for? The book was written, um, for social media church-based social media advocates and their leaders. Because I found that a lot of churches were through my work in ministry. um, And this kind of gets into the how as well, but through my work in ministry, I found that a lot of churches, they were using and using, forgive the term, but marketing methods. Uh, and, And when I say marketing, I simply mean, a way of telling your organization's story. That's marketing. Mm-hmm. They were using the marketing methods and, and reaching out to a culture that did not exist anymore. Hmm. Like the, most of our seminaries and most of our churches and denominations for that matter are based on a 1960s culture. And I don't know if anyone's checked, but we're not in the 60s anymore. We're in 2014. Oh, my goodness. I didn't know that. (laughs) I know. Welcome back to the future, right? Right. Where's my Uh, DeLorean, man? I'm missing out. Yeah. So it was was frustrating because I knew firsthand the power of social, this power, this kind of, you know, this, this unifying, connecting, communicative force that everyone now has access to. And I saw the church, so I saw a lot of businesses and organizations who didn't have bad messages, but, you know, they're selling things like dog food or roofing tiles or backyard pools who were killing it with social media. 
And the church, by and large, was sticking its head in the, in the sand. And the church has arguably the most life-giving, light-filled message in the history of, of the planet. Right. And the two didn't compute. It didn't work. It didn't match up in my mind. And the reason why it didn't match up was I saw, uh, you know, a, 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 a disconnect. Um, and sure. I saw a lot of people focusing on tactics and not a lot of people focusing on strategy. Mm-hmm. So in other words, people wanted to know the how before they knew the why. And this is a little bit like uh, a, trying to assemble an, a piece of IKEA furniture without the instructions. Sure. Um, you know, you could probably, which, is, which by the way, is still an aggravating process. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even with the instructions, it's irritating, but you know, if you don't have, um, the instructions, you're the best you're going to be able to do is like mash two boards together with, you know, with a, with a nail or something like that. You're not even going to get anywhere close to where you want to be. Right. And I found that a lot of churches were like, well, what's the perfect time to post? What is the perfect tweet length? What is this? What is that? And it was missing the point completely. And a lot of the material, although it was great, was focused on the how-to instead of the why-to. Right. And so I wanted to focus on the why because I believe that when you know the why, it helps you, um, you know, be way more effective with the how. Right. And so that's who it's for. It's for, you know, social media advocates and the of leaders of churches awesome. as well. Awesome. So your kind of whole Think Digital platform isn't only targeting churches and and social media types and leaders within that space because there are principles and strategies that apply to social media at large. And I kind of want to zero in on what you talked about where people have put you know, whether they're church associated or not, have put the how before the why. They've put the cart before the horse in that situation. So, and this is a part, perhaps a philosophical question, but why are we on social media, you know, generally speaking? Like, what, why are we there? Well, I think it's, um, I think it's just a natural extension of uh, our, our, you know, humanity being social by nature. Uh, we have always been communicating. When you look back to the beginnings of history, you know, we've been scrawling on cave walls, our, you know, our most important activities. We've been telling stories about, you know, tribal uh, generations have been passing on stories of how the tribes came to be and what their most important customs are and who the leaders are and, you know, fables of those leaders. And, you know, you move forward to the printing press and we move from telling stories to writing stories. And then we move to broadcast television uh, and radio and broadcast methods. So we've always, as a, just as a species, been interested at, in communicating and being social. You know, when, we, when, we, when we hear the term antisocial, it's not a positive, ter- positive term, it's a negative term. Well, why is that? Uh, it's because we as human beings are built to communicate with each other. And that, by the way, that element, that dynamic works, whether you're a creationist or an evolutionist. If you're a creationist, you believe that, uh, you know, God created us in his image and God as a being, uh, you know, is social. If you're an evolutionist, you believe that we're social so we can, you know, uh, 
escape, um, you know, extinction. We have to communicate like, hey, don't go over by that tree. Uh, there's a giant saber-toothed tiger over there. Um, and you have to find a way to communicate that to the people around you, right? Right. So um, it's really just at the base of who we are. And, and the technology and that kind of innate desire has kind of merged into what we now call social media. And really, when you look at it, social media, so there's the you know initial stages of the internet, um, then you have Web 2.0, and I believe that social is kind of like Web 3.0 and okay. beyond. And Web 4.0 is going to be when, so we're social and we're, you know, communicating through the internet. Web 4.0 is going to be when we're social, we communicate with the internet, and the internet communicates back with us. That's Web 4.0. Interesting. So Siri, basically what you're telling me is we're headed for a Terminator type scenario when it comes to, to social media. Well, I mean, let's hope it's not that sinister. I mean, we're definitely um, getting to a point where technology is becoming embedded, both liter- mm-hmm. literally and figuratively, into our everyday experience. Yeah, um, that those lines between online bit, and offline are definitely blurred. Yeah, exactly. Um, so let's say you know uh, a brand, an individual, a church. You know, they've got their why down. You know, and one of you know the general goals of anyone who's present online who has a message to communicate and the church definitely has a you know i mean i think you and i both agree would have one of the biggest messages to share and communicate um you know one of the goals is to build an influence we want to you know we have the why we're working on the how with strategy and tactics but that you know the goal is to to build influence and to extend that reach um what's uh, what's a tip you would, you know, one tip of, you know, of your wealth of knowledge and experience that you would offer to say, you know, here's, you know, a key piece of, of building influence on social media. You know, if I were to boil it down into one takeaway, it's being focused on, uh, your community and adding value to your community. And I think a lot of folks in the social media age, they see social media and they see all they see is me Mm. in the media. And they believe falsely that like people care, (laughs) people care about them. That may sound pessimistic or cynical. I promise it's not. When, when we go to social media and I see this and, and I'm guessing that anyone listening to this has seen this in some capacity where you see like, Blogs are really easy for me to spot this, where you'll see someone write a blog post and the title will be like something like five things I learned from such and such or my experience with so and so or here's what my wife did with this. And you see very quickly that, you know, it's all focused on them. Right. It's a me mentality. It's a total me mentality. It's, it's the me monster. Uh, <laughs> Where people falsely, and this is one of the dark, this is the dark side of social media is that it gives everyone a platform, but the bad news is it gives everyone a platform. Right. And if you're not careful, you can become, you know, enthralled with the sound of your own voice. And the people that I know who are most effective with social, they don't talk a lot about themselves, but they always talk as themselves, if that makes sense. Oh, I love that. That is a great piece. I love that. 
Yeah, they don't they don't talk a lot about themselves, but they always talk as themselves, meaning they're always interjecting their personality into what they're discussing, but what they're discussing rarely focuses on themselves. Mm-hmm. I love that. Continuing on that theme of so I love the you know the concept and the idea of adding value to your community and being uh, outward focused while still maintaining that personality and that humanity. I think that really comes down to you know and highlights the necessity of of staying human and staying authentic and real and not being, you know, just the face of a logo behind a brand necessarily. Um, so I have, uh, I have two closing questions for you. So one is if you could reach across cyberspace and through the screen of the average social media addict and grab them by the ear, what would you tell them? Oh boy. Um, I would say this, I would say, Please ensure that your social media content is engineered to deliver social media results. And results are not vanity metrics. Could you so results, that's so that's not the, the answer I expect. That's a whole lot deeper. Could you unpack that for us? Yes, gladly. Many times when people think about social media results, the first thought that comes to mind is something like, um, you know, we got a lot of retweets. We got a lot of likes. We got a lot of favorites. People are following us on Facebook. And those are one small piece of the overall puzzle. Very small. They matter. They just don't matter nearly as much as everyone thinks. If your social media results do not evolve past those metrics, you are literally and figuratively leaving money on the table. Uh, And so my hope is that people would, number one, know what the results they want, period, in their business or their organization. And that's where really the disconnect is. I find that people can't connect social media content to goals is because they don't know their goals. (laughs) You, you sound really frustrated and, invent, and invested in this. Well, I, it's just a, it's, it's a huge passion area of mine yep. because, number one, I'm a social media advocate. I believe in the power of social mm-hmm. because I believe in the power of people. Right. And if organizations jump into social without knowing cl- what their clear objectives are, then social gets a bad rap. And I almost feel like I have to defend social media. Uh, like, I hate when I have to do that. Well, I mean, it's kind of like a, a shovel. Okay. Yeah. If you want to dig a hole and you take out a grapefruit spoon and go to your backyard and start digging, it's not the spoon's fault. It's your fault that you're using a grapefruit spoon to, to dig a hole. You need a shovel, or better yet, you need, uh, you know. A backhoe. A backhoe, thank you. <laughs> and it's not the spoon's fault or the shovel's fault. It's your fault for not properly using the tools that are in front of you. Social is a tool. It's not social's fault if you're not getting results that you want. It's your fault. Uh, that may be, come as a shock to a lot of people. It may be hard to hear, but that's reality. After yeah. working with dozens of organizations, the ones who take responsibility for that and engineer a process to get results are the ones who win. Yep, I would agree with, I would agree with you there. And I would say that as far as social media, you know, the results being your fault, I would say it applies both to content creators and to consumers you know too many yeah. people are like oh twitter's bugging me today or oh facebook blah 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 it's like well, your experience is your fault yeah. um so I was, that's what i would say so closing question what's next for you 
are you going to write another book? Do you have uh, another product you're working on? Um, another event after Build Your Influence? What's what's on the horizon for Justin Wise? Well, that's a really good question, and it's kind of up in the air right now. Um, we've got a couple different buckets, I guess you could say, that we're focusing on. Um, looking to develop social church stuff a little bit more, and I will be taking more of a back seat in that particular brand, and we'll be putting a lot more, uh, a, a few more faces um, in the mix. So I can just kind of help set vision, but also resource the church in a specific way because the church does have very specific needs in terms of objectives and goals and that sort of thing. And so we really want to develop that brand around the, the concepts that I discuss in the book. And then also furthering to develop Think Digital, the brand, Think Digital podcast, Think Digital Academy. Uh, we're actually undergoing a site redesign right now to further, we want to be at the one-stop shop for people uh, when it comes to social media strategy and getting social media results. So I'm really excited about that. I feel like there's a lot of, we, I was just um, writing kind of a three-year plan and have some amazing things on the plate. Awesome. Don't know if any of them, I don't know if they'll happen or not, but at least they're on paper somewhere. Uh, and as the saying goes, the the faintest pen is stronger than the strongest memory. So, Ooh. yeah, you like that. I like you? that. That was good. I like that. Yeah. Well, I did not come up with that, but uh, I'm going to tell people I did. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Justin Wise. Really appreciate you taking time to speak to our Church Mag audience. We, uh, where can people find you on social media? Uh, hit me up on Twitter. That's my jam. That's my joint at Justin Wise. Tweet me and say hello, and I may even tweet back. All right. Excellent. We'll make sure to also point people to your website as well as specifically to the buildyourinfluence.co. Thank you so much. We'll catch you next time. I had a great conversation with Justin. I really appreciate his straightforwardness. He drops a lot of knowledge. He definitely has a passion for this space and for the intersection of church and social media, which is why it's so great for our Church Mag audience. And so uh, if you want to find out more about Justin, you can go to justinwise.net or go to thinkdigital.co, and that is all the information for his Think Digital Academy. He is going to have more events and webinars in the future, so highly recommend you go check those out. Uh, we're big fans of Justin Wise here at Church Mag, and we really love his stuff. Yes, we are a big fan of Justin's stuff. In fact, just well, a couple months ago, we did his, what was it, 10 Steps to Find Out What the Heck You Want to Do, or something like that. What was that called, Casey? So Justin, one of his uh, products is this a 10-step program uh, or exercise rather called finding your big idea and it's phenomenal because it provides some clarity and direction around mission and vision goals and purpose and practical steps to get there in a no-nonsense fashion so that when you are finished you have a concrete framework to go forward from as you're trying to uh, be successful in your endeavor, sell a product, publish a book, write a blog that matters, and, and create content that resonates with your audience. Yeah, and I don't really like those kind of things. And, and when you said that you wanted to do that for Church Mag Press, I was like, oh, man, I hate these things. And so I'm working through it. And at the end of it, I'm like, this is great. So we went ahead and we did it with Church Mag. We're still in the process of doing that, going over it together. And then I even used it for my personal life as well. So there's there, there's a lot of different applications with that. Just more proof that uh, Justin 
seems to know what he's talking about. <laughs> that he does, that he does. And he is not afraid to share either. Well, Casey, that was an awesome interview that you had with Justin. And uh, we have another one scheduled coming up in the next oh, month or so, another interview that you did. You want to give us a sneak peek on that? Yeah. So I did an interview with David Molnar, who is an f- amazing professional photographer. He has shot covers for albums with Mercy Me and... Dixon Colton Colton Dixon it's Colton Dixon uh, and he did a wrote and published an ebook on iPhone photography and I took it and it has leveled up my mobile photography tremendously it has I mean I, I mean I'm not saying that your Instagram feed was really bad or anything I'm just saying that I there was a notable difference I was like dang Casey that is a good photo <laughs> right and I even like I'll take I, I take pictures differently with my iPhone now, and then in, it, there is actually a a brief post production process. So you can change the way and take manual control of your iPhone as you're taking photos, and then use uh, an app to edit it afterwards that makes it look very professional. So you're adjusting contrast and brightness and saturation and all these other you know different settings. And David walks you through that process in in his ebook iPhone only photography and it's phenomenal and so I had a conversation with him just kind of catching up on where he's at he is a professional photographer he shoots commercials he's done work with Pepsi and American Idol uh, and again like I said a lot of uh, Christian music artists shooting album covers and things like that and it's just phenomenal what you can do with your phone because the best camera is the one you have on you and so I have a really nice DSLR by Nikon sitting at home in a bag gathering dust because I can't carry it around everywhere it doesn't fit my pocket what I do in my pocket is the iPhone and Apple's done a tremendous job of creating a slim device with a great camera on it that is just available you know and they can only teach the the device itself to take photos good photos to a certain degree the rest of it is on the person behind that shutter button and so you know just simple tools and tricks like composition and lighting and and where you are and what to focus on um, and then how to make some slight adjustments with a simple app so you're just tapping and swiping on your fingers afterwards you can create a really compelling photo that captures how you felt in the moment when you took that picture whether you're looking at a landscape or a sunset or even taking a candid you know portrait of a loved one uh, just a few little tweaks and you can really make a big difference in your photos. Maybe you would carry that Nikon around more if you had bigger pockets. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It depends on how big, you know, cargo pants these days aren't really in. Uh, and it, there have to be some pretty big pockets. Well, yes. And you're a pretty snappy dresser, so there's no way you're going to put on cargo pants just so you can carry around that Nikon. This is Casey, true. we're going to look forward to that interview in the next couple episodes. I don't know when. Whenever the heck we feel like it, I guess. Casey, let's do it again, man. All right. Thanks, Eric. This episode of the Church Mag Podcast was brought to you by Church Community Builder. Church Community Builder is all about helping church staff, both paid and unpaid, become more effective at how they do ministry. Learn more about Church Community Builder on their website, churchcommunitybuilder.com. Thanks, guys. The Church Mag Podcast is proudly hosted on buzzsprout.com. 